Yeah. So success is growth to me. Anytime I experience some sort of growth today, today was successful. I learned from you. I learned from your experiences. I learned from this experience um, on this, on this podcast, this was a success. So anything small, anything big um, that has to do with my growth, it's a success. Hey, sober people and sober adjacent people. Welcome to I Have 12 Questions. I'm Amanda Patton, your host, a leading expert on nothing. However, I am in recovery and I love it so much so that I launched this podcast where we get to talk to people who are trudging the road to happy freaking destiny across all the different ways that people get there. So While this is definitely through the lens of recovery and sobriety, the stories and the themes that we'll be covering are universally human. So love, loss, grief, excitement, parenting, outside issues, purpose, God stuff, whatever. In the words of the great Ted Lasso by way of Walt Whitman, I want to be curious, not judgmental. So like I said, we'll be talking to people in recovery. We're going to be talking to experts and practitioners who help those people along their path in recovery. And we're just really excited to hear people tell their stories and to be inspired by them and to create a community of support for everybody in recovery and people who know and love people who struggle with addiction issues and whatnot. So anyways, we're so glad you're here and thanks for listening. Hey listeners, just a quick disclaimer before we get into the interview, the views and opinions expressed by those interviewed on I Have 12 Questions or myself are just opinions and our own personal experiences. We are not doctors or therapists or psychiatrists, so none of the recommendations or opinions expressed should be considered medical or psychological advice. There may be adult language contained in some of these episodes, as well as triggers around conversations regarding rape, sexual abuse, drug and alcohol usage, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, and many other topics that will come up when we are discussing addiction and recovery from addiction. So please use discretion. This podcast is not for everybody. Thank you. So before we get started, I just want to brag on Tosh a little bit. Um, And I wrote out (laughs) notes because there was so much that I had to say. Um, but we know each other through professional projects, and I remember I remember when I first met you, and I was really impressed by you. Just beyond like the obvious of being really smart and beautiful and all of those things, you have this energy about you that's like kind and regal, but also like I wouldn't want to mess with you. <laughs> Like when, when is that part going to come in? It's it's really weird. It's like off-putting almost because it's like, okay, there's this very just, yeah, but then you just know. it's You don't even have to say it or show it. You just have a, I had a knowing that like, you, this is not someone that you, you want to mess with. And it's just like a quiet strength, but it's shrouded in, you know, calmness and kindness and everything else. So, and you're so positive you're so damn positive that it used to get on my last nerve when we worked together because I'm like, I was, you know how I am. I get worked up 
really easily about pretty much everything. Um, and I have a pretty short fuse. And so I would, we would be talking about different things and I'd be just saying, you know, blah, 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 can you believe that? You know, and you're just like smiling and talking, be like, we're going to work it out. It's going to be okay. Like we're going to make, we're going to make it better, you know, and, and all this. Um, and it's a trait that I admire about you so much, like so much. And I've always wanted to know kind of where you get it from. So I hope we're going to get into that today. Thank you. And th- there's that saying of like pressure either, you know, busts pipes or makes diamonds. Um, yeah. And so I, I assure our audience we are, we're dealing with a diamond today. And I want to hear about it. I want to hear more. I, I feel like I know bits and pieces of your story just from us catching up. But we were always doing work stuff. So we didn't really have a lot of time. So welcome to the show again. And thank you for agreeing to do this. Thank I have no idea having- what I'm doing. So. about this. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited. So I'm just going to start with kind of an easy question. I think, I hope. Who was your biggest influence and why? Yeah, that's a really good question because I don't think that there's just one person yeah. that has influenced me, um, especially on this journey. Um, I'm actually going to have to say my family as a collective, both sides, mom Mm -hmm. and dad, but not in a way that most would probably think, (laughs) you know, that they they weren't like, oh yeah, you shouldn't drink. Like, it's not good for you. They were like, let's drink. Let's be addicted to it. (laughs) You know, of course, right? So I have, you know, great, relatives, great aunts and uncles and aunts and uncles and cousins and even, you know, family members closer than that who have struggled with alcoholism and addiction for years. And that's what I saw growing up ever since I was a child, you know, going to the family friend's house and it was, you know, a party of nothing but drinking and drunkenness and it was fun. Right. But I didn't realize the impact that it would have on me as an adult and how right. I would mimic and mirror that behavior because I thought that that was fun and that was what fun meant. So I would say, you know, the family, they've just been my biggest influence to kind of say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to move in that same direction. I have a close family member who was addicted is addicted to alcohol and is wheelchair bound now and continues to drink and partake. And actually two, two very, I forgot about that other one too, right? So it's like, you know, seeing that influenced me, you know, hugely, greatly because I said, no, like there's no way that I can be 50 something, 60 something or ever wheelchair bound because of decision that I, I can control. And I'm going to say, yeah, I know many people say, oh, I can't control it. I can't control the addiction. I can, I can, I can't right. speak for everyone. Right. right. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Cause my, my next question, it, cause I always think of like, I think of, I think of a habit as something that you quit once you start seeing the negative consequences. 
And a lot of people are like that. They see negative consequences. They're like, I'm not doing this anymore. And they quit. Whereas an addiction is like, you can, you can have wheelchairs and prisons and crash cars and like broken families. You can have all kinds of stuff laid out in front of you and it's still not enough. And so I, I, everyone is so different and there are problem drinkers. There are alcoholics and addicts. There's there, it's a spectrum, right? Just like everything else in the whole wide world. But like, my next question is what led to the decision for you to quit drinking? Like what, I don't know, was there an impetus? Was there a moment or a day or was it just sort of, you know, what was that moment for you? Because a lot of people talk about rock bottom, but a lot of people don't have to get there. Right. And so what was your, what led up to that, I guess, for you? Yeah. So for me, it was rock bottom and my rock bottom might be different than someone else's rock bottom. Right. But for me, I like that. Okay. This is it. This is rock bottom. And I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I moved to Orlando um, right after college, like two days after college. I packed up my Daewoo at the time. I found my roommate on Craigslist and I said, no, I, I, I literally did. I moved in with her and her cat. And I said, I, I get out of Escalusa, Alabama. It's too close minded. I have to leave here. I'm just going to go. And I transferred to a sporting goods company that I was working with um, at the time. And I was making $8 an hour as a manager, right? Mm -hmm. So I move in with this lady and her and her cat and I know nobody in Orlando. So I think this is what started this like downhill spiraling out of control cycle because I didn't know anybody. I was depressed. I was eating ramen noodles. Like, I'm not going to lie. I had some ramen noodles today, but that was my choice. Like before (laughs) I used dinner, right? But I had some ramen noodles, right? (laughs) But then I didn't have like that's what I had to to yes. eat, and so I was just so depressed. And then I was also coming out because living in Alabama, I I just felt like I couldn't come out. I couldn't be my true self. So um, everyone, I'm a lesbian. Okay, <laughs> I, came out, I moved to Orlando, and I was going through this phase of like I don't know if I'm like a feminine woman, like lesbian, or like more of a masculine, or in between. So I was like confused about that. So I would just, I would just always go to the club because I felt like that's the place that I can be safe at. It was Pulse nightclub, um, Parliament House. Oh yeah. And, And that's where I felt safe. But going there, I felt safe being there, just being myself. But that also led me to like just drinking because I was just trying to like drink away my depression. And, um, from that point, I just always felt like, okay, when I go out, this is what I have to do. Like I've got, in order for me to meet people, mm-hmm. because I knew no, in order for me to meet people, I've got to drink. I've got to buy people drinks without any money that I, I don't know how I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, like, <laughs> I just have, I have to do it. And um, that continued for so many years. And I was married at one point. I was physically abuse, abusive abusive in that, in that marriage because of drinking. To a man or another woman? A woman. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I would, I would drink and black out and then try to drive my car. They would try to stop me from driving my car. I would fight them. I was just out of control. Right. And in 2018, actually, yeah, 2018, I was um, in, Lebanon, and I was visiting someone I was dating at the time, and 
I it was New Year's and I went to a party and I just blacked out. And again, that same anger and terrible like behavior came out. And it was at that point that I said, and and then I just kind of ruined that relationship. And that was the thing on ruining relationships because nobody wants to hang out with, you know, someone like that. So I lost so many friendships and that was on New Year's. So I went back home maybe a couple days later and on January 6, 2018, I, I was like, I had drank a Corona. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning and I was, I drank a Corona and I said, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, you just did this whole thing on New Year's and you're sitting here, you're like, what? I don't even like beer. Like, why, are you, why am I doing this? At that moment, I Absolutely not. I can't do this anymore. And I opened up my phone and downloaded the AA app and found a meeting like an hour later. And I walked in there and can I curse on here? Uh, yeah. I was scared shitless. Like, <laughs> like the stories that everyone was sharing, like I hadn't gotten to that point where like bringing to work and stuff like that. I, I was yeah. like, ooh. Like, <laughs> so. I was scared. And like, you know, I was like, no, like, I don't want, I, I never want to be in that place. So ever since then, that was like the day for me is going into that meeting. I only went to one meeting and got my book. And um, ever since then, I, I've been sober. That is, that's incredible. And it's so relatable, you know, of like, there's moments of like, what am I doing? I don't even like beer. I don't even like these people. I don't even like this, why, you know, or whatever. And it's just this, this compulsion or habit or, you know, almost like you don't know what else to do and it's miserable, but you don't know what it's going to be to try to do something different. So you just keep doing that thing. It's crazy to me that you only went to that one meeting though. Like I, I'll, I'll ask you about it probably a little bit because I want to know, well, I have, I have more like, I guess, contextual um, questions, but which is this next one. Tell me some of the things or maybe one thing that you do on a daily basis to like stay on this path. Because for me, I need structure. I need meetings. I need fellowship or whatever. I have a lot of little rituals here and there. Some are related to recovery. Some aren't, you know, some are more spiritual in nature, but what, what are the things you do on a daily basis to just make sure that you stay on the beam, as we say? That's a great question. There, there are so many. But the number one thing that I do is I think about my why. Why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Because I do not want to be like those relatives who are handicapped and wheelchair, wheelchair bound. I know that I'm going to be a millionaire. Like it's inevitable. It's going to happen. I can so, see that. And I can't do that with, you know, drinking away my life. I can't do it. I can't retire my mom. I can't move them into a house that they don't have to pay for. I have kind of like this weight on me that mm-hmm. if I drink and if I continue to do that to myself, it's just, I'm going to, I'm literally going to bury myself in the ground. Like there's absolutely no way I can go back to that because of all of these things that I have, that I have to look forward to. Yes. In my future. So that's what I keep in mind whenever I, 
I, it's been five years now. So like, I don't, even when I go out now, I don't have like cravings or anything like that. Early on, that first year was hard. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell why. But now yeah. it's you know, sometimes like if I have a really rough day at work and I'm like, man, a glass of wine would be nice. <laughs> I go to that, that thought of like, absolutely not. Like you've come this far. Why, why are you going to destroy that and mess it up now? I love so that. That's, that's, that's kind of what I keep in mind daily. I love, I love that. Well, it's different for everybody. Like we've talked about, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast because there are seven ways to send it. There are a million ways to get sober. People do different things and change all kinds of behaviors, not just drinking and using, but like a million, you know, all different things. And what works for me isn't going to work for you and vice versa. And that's great. And that's perfect. And that's how we should be. We're a very diverse collection of people and personalities. And, but like for me, when I would get the craving or the compulsion or whatever it was to do something that I knew was bad intellectually, I understood that. But my mind would always just play me the highlight reel of like, but remember, you know, this was fun and that. And so it was like that movie of like the fun without really like playing the tape all the way to the end of like, yeah, but then what, right? What happens after that? And I just, I could not, there was no time between the thought and the action. It was just sort of like the thought and then drink in hand, right? <laughs> and so I love, I love talking to people who can just like focus on why, you know, and have that recall, have that recall five years ago of like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I have all these people depending on me. I'm destined for amazing things and you cannot function on all cylinders. If you're out there, you know, wreaking havoc and, and drinking and doing all the stuff that we were doing. So I, I admire, like I said, I admire you, you know, that. Thank you. <laughs> and same, same to you. Thank you. Well, when you, you know what I'll uh, add to that? Please. Is that I did leave out that I tried a lot of times to stop drinking. Yes. I, this wasn't like a, oh, my first time trying and, you know, then that's it. No, 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 no. That year before that, every, actually, every time I had one of those episodes where I was out of control, I woke up, obviously, we wake up the next day like, oh, shoot, I never want to do that again. And I tried and I'm like, I'm going to give myself 30 days. I'm not going to do it. And then the people you've got to, the people around, you know, if they're not, if they're not on board with it, they're going to influence you to do things that you shouldn't do. So that was one thing I had to, to realize. So I need to, if I'm feeling weak, I do not need to go out with those people. Right. So I tried many times, 30 days. I think I made it 30 days one time and then like fell into something and that, or went out with the wrong people again, you know, and, yeah. and, and so um, I don't want that to come across. Like I just did a one and done thing. No, this okay. was a, this okay, was good. A, yeah. It makes me feel better. Cause I, I was like so rebellious and stubborn and I just thought I would figure it out. I was like, no, I refuse. There's no obstacle I've ever met that I couldn't overcome. And I'll be damned if I'm going to be beat by this thing. So I will figure it out and I'm going to keep trying if it kills me. And it literally almost did. But like I got to do jail and rehab and all kinds of fun adventures to try to really figure out what that looked like. But like you're saying, I would I would stop for a couple of weeks or 30 days. I would feel so much better. 
you know, and then you're like, oh, it'll be fine. Or somebody's birthday or you start dating someone or you're in a social situation. And, you know, that's when I started to realize like it has very little to do with drugs and alcohol. And it has a lot to do with like, sometimes I just don't know how to cope with Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. places, things, situations. And um, instead of trying to learn those skills, it's better. It's easier. It was at the time to just check out, you know, I don't want to deal with this. So I'm just going to drink myself into oblivion and cause a bunch of destruction, you know? So (laughs) how, when's the last time, and I've asked this question before of other guests and I really like it, but I like to learn this because I want to hear people's real world examples, but like, when's the last time you had to take the high road um, in a situation and practice humility where you really, really didn't want to, but you did anyway and kind of, you know, how did you do it? Yeah. So hmm, I think that, okay. So this past fall, I went to Guadalajara, Mexico. Yes. I saw the videos. Yes. Yes. So I went to tequila, Mexico, like tequila, Mexico for someone who is sober, who's quit. Right. But I did say, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to tequila. This is probably the only time I'm going to go there. I'm just going to stick my t- stick my tongue in the little cup just to say, okay, I've tasted it, right? And I did that, and I was like, this is awful. Like, how did I even like to drink this back in the day, right? But I really, I was around a tour group of people that were out of control. Like they were having a blast. Right. And there were part, there were times where they were um, like, I could have, if I, if I didn't have the control and the discipline that I had, I could have been right there with them. I could have said, F it. Like, yeah, give me a shot. We're going down. Let's do this. But then I could have also stepped in and said, like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? Why are you so drunk? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. But um, I, you know, I resisted. I, I, I took that high road and humbled myself because I was once that, I was once there. Like I was once that person, yep. right? And so if, and they may be able to handle it. Like they, they, they might not have a problem like I did. So like, you know, ju- no judgment. Like it was all fun. We had an amazing time. I remained sober. Um, I probably did get tipsy from that one little tongue in the cup thing. But <laughs> your body was like, whoa, we don't know what to do with that. Right. But that but that kind of solidified it to me for me too. Like even more. Like this is not this isn't for me. Like, what are you doing? But I don't recommend that. You know, I, I don't recommend what I do at all. It was just something that I don't know, I just felt like I'm in tequila. But for some that, you know, that might trigger that to, or re, to restart, you know, for them. Yeah. But okay. you, you, go ahead. They go. No, it didn't for me. Yeah. I think though, too, the humility that you, we have to have in those moments of like, yeah, I can't, I understand that I, it, things are different for me when I partake. And for me, when I, and I talk about this all the time with people that I know in recovery of like, when the springtime rolls around and the weather's perfect and it's beautiful and people are on the lake, people are sitting on patios drinking. That's, that's one of the hardest for whatever reason to this day, nine plus years into recovery. Like that still does something to my brain. 
and I feel my brain light up a little bit like, God, that was so fun. It was so mm-hmm. free and so fun. And it was at the beginning of the drinking where it was still fun, right? Like early in the day or early in the evening before shit went off the rails. It, and so of course my brain wants to hang out there and be like, yeah, remember it was so fun. You can go have a beer on a patio. Who cares? But I have to humble myself and remember too, like you were just saying, those people will just go about their day, go home, go to bed, be normal people. I will like end up in another country after a three day bender. Like I have done that before and it is not funny. And you know, so, but I have to remember my experience and not romance the drink, you know, via other people's, you know, stuff, but it's really, it's hard sometimes. I'm not going to lie. There are days when I miss it, or maybe I feel a little bit sorry for myself that I don't get to just let loose because those videos in Mexico, I loved them. But like, I think I know the crew you were talking about, they were dancing and going crazy and they were getting like drunk. And that is how, that's how I like to drink right? It's over. Like we're doing it until somebody passes out or goes to jail or whatever. And (laughs) so when I see that, seeing people in social situations drink like normal, regular, you know, a drink with dinner or whatever, doesn't bother me one bit. Cause I don't, I never drink like that. I don't care to drink like that, whatever. But when I see people going for it, that, that wakes up my demons a little bit. Sometimes like I remember because I'm such a, and I think you're the same way. You're so serious and so driven and you're so hard on yourself and you, it's like work, 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 work. And you have all this weight on your shoulders. And sometimes we need to blow off steam. We need to, you know, and for me, drinking was that it was, it was to turn my brain off and to stop worrying about all this stuff and to just not give a shit. You know what I mean? And so I think, one of the things that's one of the questions like I have for you too, is like, how do you have fun now? You know, when, or when you need to blow off steam or you've worked too much and you need a break, um, because you're the type of person, even if you go on vacation, you're like making a vlog, right? It's a work project. Everything is work. You're always hustling. And I, I love that about you, but also how do you have fun? How do you unplug? What do you do when you're just like, I, I just need to be, you know, just be. Yeah. And not produce, yeah. right? Cause you're achievement oriented, obviously. And I feel like you probably can't get away from it. No. And sometimes <laughs> that is tiring. <laughs> but again, Amanda, like, it's like those thoughts of like, my why, like, what, what am I trying to do? So that kind of yeah. keeps me me going right yes and and now okay so when I stopped drinking okay so when I was drinking that was fun like that was all that was my life like what are you gonna do we're gonna go downtown and drink and go out oh what are you gonna do for fun we're gonna go to the amusement park and drink and have fun you know we're gonna go on vacation and drink and not even remember like the vacation (laughs) so spent so much of my time doing that, mm-hmm. that when I stopped drinking, I had to figure out like, what is life about? Like, what are we, why are we here? What, what, are, what am I supposed to be doing? And then how, how can I have fun? Right. So I, I kind of looked inward and started doing all of that, like self-discovery and trying to figure out the things that I love before drinking. I just said, you know, corporate life is it. I'm just going to work in 
corporate in the corporate setting for the rest of my career. That's what I'm going to do. But as soon as like literally the the year that I are we recording? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It stopped for like one second and then it came back. Sorry. Go ahead. No worries. So the year that I stopped drinking, I found all of these like things that I had no clue that I was interested in. I said I would never want to run a business and own a business. I started a business. <laughs> I started multiple businesses and all of these ideas just started coming out. So all of these like passion projects and just creativity just started flowing, but it was blocked because all I could focus on was I'm, I'm on in the evenings, I'm going to have some wine. I'm going to go out with my friends on the weekends. I'm going to go out with my friends. I'm going to drink. So right. when I didn't have that anymore, I got to really discover who I was and what I'm interested in. I started traveling. Like I would have never said, oh, let me go stay in Mexico City for five weeks. Let me go stay in Guadalajara for four weeks. I would have never thought of that. And then when I'm there, I just <laughs> see the beauty in everything around me. Like fun is walking around like that. Like, I guess, you know, when we, when, when I was drinking, like the fun was like the excitement and the thrill of like drinking and like that feeling. Yes. Well, when I in cities that I don't, I've never been in, it's that I still get that rush. It's like, Ooh, I've never been here. Like I got to put my New Yorker cap on and make sure I'm like looking around. And then like, there's so, so many cool things I can discover and, and find and see and so many cool people I can meet. And it's just like, you know, that's how I have fun now is just just going out exploring to blow off steam. If I have a bad day at work, I don't know. I'll come in and listen to music. Yeah. I'll listen. I'll cry. Like cry. It's nothing wrong with crying. I'll cry. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. But crying. That's it's funny that you say about the, because for me, like b- before I was about to drink or go use or do whatever I was going to do, it was the anticipation. That was the fun part. It really was. It was like, I'm about to feel so much better. I'm about to feel good. I'm about to, and though, but then, you know, it, did I feel better? Yeah. Maybe for 15 minutes. And then, you know, it just turned into something else like where, where I was either wanting to fight or cry or whatever. I don't know who knows what was going to come out that time. Right. But when I was watching your vlog and you guys were walking through the city and it was day of the dead and there was music and there were people and there were food vendors and the flags, there were flags everywhere. There were altars everywhere. And it was just like, I felt like I was there and it made me feel like a little kid where you're just excited because I'm, I was like, wow, there's so much culture and activity and noise and everything is new. And you guys were asking questions and looking at that statue and you're like, oh, there's a baby right there. Like there was like a baby coming out. I was like, and then you ate buses. I was like, what's happening? You know, but I love that idea of like exploring, you know, and, and, and knowing that, we were missing while well, I was missing all that when I was drinking because I was so numb, you know, I was just really numb. And if I wasn't under the influence, I was thinking about the next time I was going to be under the influence. Right. And I was like a robot. I was just going through the motions day in, day out, doing the things, paying the bills, raising my kid, trying to, you know, but that's such a yeah. cool outlook though, to be, to, to think of it like that, where you're, your way of having fun is to go explore, you know, and, and also sure. it's, like it's, getting in touch with who you actually are. You exactly. Know? exactly. 
Yes. Like when I was drinking vacation or like going out of the country, I booked my trips based on like all inclusive resort. Like why? Because <laughs> I go out there and relax on a you know on a beach chair on the beach and drink and yep. not have to drive anywhere or a cruise where I that was my thing. Oh, I love going on the cruise. You don't have to drive anywhere. Well, why? Like now that I'm sober, I think back of like why was I thinking that? Because I don't have to drive drunk anywhere. Right. It wasn't just because I love driving. Like now yeah. I love I love driving across states. Like put me in a car and just let me go. But then it was like. I just cruise because I don't have to drink and drive. And like, that was just mind blowing to me. Like I was basing my vacation on that. Yeah. And I remember too, I wouldn't even go to restaurants that didn't serve alcohol. Like that's seriously like, okay, where do we want to go? We're looking at places and there's a lot of places that didn't serve alcohol. And I was like, why would anyone ever go somewhere where you can't order a drink? I don't even understand that. Same thing with vacations and this and that. And, you know, Oh God. Okay. So we, there's a lot of different things I want to talk to you about and we've covered quite a bit of it and a lot of it's recovery focused, but I also want to talk about, you do a lot of really good work in the world and DE&I stuff, allyship for LGBTQ And so I don't know if you want to kind of just tell us about that and what that looks like in your, in your life. And then also how people can, and we've, we've heard and seen so much of this and so much of it is performative. And like, you get to the point where you aren't sure if you're help, if you're helping or you're making it worse. And so a lot of people, myself included, are like, I almost feel like I should never say anything ever because I'm either going to offend someone, even though you know, you're coming from a good place. So what are the tangible ways to, I guess, to be the best allies from your perspective for diversity and inclusion and also the LGBTQ community plus community? So I've done some work in DE&I in the corporate setting for the last couple of years, not in a formal position, but just on the DE&I board and things like that, right? And the ERGs. So I'm not... Formally educated in DNI and or anything like that, but I do have some intersecting diversities and identities, and I think that those truly do kind of shape or have shaped uh, the way that I look at the world and my ability to kind of see, uh, show compassion, and understand people. So I'm lesbian. I'm Puerto Rican, I'm black, I'm a woman, you know, so, so several, several different things. Right. Right. But I think that, you know, when it comes to allyship, the most important, because even with those intersecting identities, like I still feel the same way that you feel, Amanda, like, should I have said that? Because some people that are black might look at me and say, oh, she's not black, you know? So, so I also Puerto Rican too. Like I've had, growing up, I had that, those identity crises, like who am I supposed to hang out with? Like, you know, so um, I think that one of the most important things that we can do to be good allies for individuals is just resist that desire to make assumptions and truly educate ourselves on those groups and those individuals. 
I think that's that's first and foremost. Listen instead of putting our own again assumptions and our own opinions. Listen to understand, not listen to respond. My partner tells me that all the time. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the reasons I'm not in a relationship. I, I just I'm not good at that. I guess. <laughs> you know, no one is coming from a man anyway. I'm, I'm better with women typically, so that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so we just have to really avoid our, our judgment because we all have these biases inside of us that you know we we these these images that we have, whether it be from movies or TV or maybe even personal experiences, but mm-hmm. we can't like an entire group of individuals based on those things. So just really checking yourself at the door and resisting uh, using anything that you've learned about another person or another group on those individuals, right? And just really learning about them before you um, before anything. And then speaking up, speak. I saw this video this morning where these people were in a, a cell phone store and this woman was saying something about like black people need to be hung or something like that. It was crazy because they were, they were arguing with the manager of the store who was black. And a lady, white woman jumped in and was like, absolutely not. And just stood up. And it was, it was very beautiful just to, to be able to witness that and see it, even though I wasn't there, but just to see it on, on video, it was like, man, humanity does exist. Like people are out here that are allies and they're doing the work and they're not just sitting behind and watching things happen. So right. just having that courage to be able to step up in situations um, is huge too. And and what last thing, Amanda, you too, like you are, you've created this platform, right? For people to share their stories, to be able to, to open up and share that with the world so that people know what our experiences are um, as women, as women of color, as, you know, members of the LGBT, whatever it is, right? Like being able, put it, putting us um, on this platform so that we can talk and, and share those things and people can, can learn and understand. Right. And I thank you for that too. Well, thank you. I, you know, I'm inspired and I've always been one of those people who I'm curious about anything that's different from my own experience. Like that's just a natural tendency I have. I already know everything I need to know about my stuff and, you know, white people and how we do stuff or whatever, who cares? It's all I've ever, it's all we ever hear about, like anybody ever hears about. Right. And so it's like any culture, or art or music or places or food or just all of it, anything that's different. It's obviously it makes me curious. It's never made me feel afraid or us versus. And so I don't, I'm so disconnected from that way of thinking that sometimes I don't even want to engage in those conversations because it's so crazy to me. And I don't understand how anyone could subscribe to paying any attention to, you know what I mean? Someone's sexual preference or this or that. It's none of your business. What does it have to do with anything? I just, it's so weird to me that people are so obsessed with some of that stuff. It freaks me out. But I also want to be helpful where I can. And I have no problem standing up for, but I've had friends before who, you know, you have to be really careful. And sometimes I admit it, like, I don't always know what the right thing to do is. And sometimes because of fear, we don't do anything. 
Because if you try to be helpful, then maybe someone thinks you're trying to be some kind of, you know, white savior. Or if you say something about some experience, people are like, you don't know shit about that experience. You need to sit down and be quiet. Right. Or other people are like, thank you so much for stepping. So it's confusing. And I admit it. I don't understand all of it and all the nuances. And I'm, I'm sure I still say and do things that are offensive. And we all have biases, like you said, but I am willing to learn. And if somebody calls me out or says, hey, that's offensive, I need to say, I am so sorry. I didn't know. And that will never happen again. Mm-hmm. But it's scary because you want to do the right thing, but but you're afraid um, that you're actually, you know, making it worse. <laughs> so... Amanda, that's one thing that I, the many things that I love about you is like you have always, and that's what drew me to you as well, is that you've always been that person. And I appreciate it too. When managers wouldn't even say a word like, hey, how are you doing after certain events that have happened in our country? You were always there. You know, I would get a message from you, even when we weren't working together you know, to check up on me. And I just, I appreciate that. And I am grateful for it, but you're mm-hmm. going to have those people that are yeah. ignorant. I'm just going to say it, you know, and, and see anything that you do, no matter if it's great or magnificent, they're going to, they're going to have a problem with it because you're right. doing it. Right. But that, that shouldn't, that, that those are things that you can't, you know, it's easier said than done, but you just can't they take those things to heart and right. you have to chuck it up to their ignorance. Well, and the older I get and the you know, wiser I would hope. And just like you said, being in recovery, being open, my, my channel is clear, my eyes are open, I'm awake, I'm alive, I'm like receiving all these, you know, that's a beautiful place to be, but it also you know, you at one, at some point, you just don't give a shit anymore what people think, because you know what, I know what I am doing and I know it's right for me. And I know what I am compelled to, I am called to do certain things and I trust my intuition. And so when I was younger, I felt like I needed to apologize or explain or this and that. And I just don't anymore. I don't care. Like, this is what I'm doing. And if you don't like it, don't follow me or don't talk to who cares? Like, go do your own thing. You know, I release you in love, (laughs) you know, but it's scary too, because, you know, you, you really want to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. So I think that's a big part of it. And one of my next, or my next question is, you know, how has, if at all, I don't know. And this may be one of those questions that like, I shouldn't ask again. I don't know. And if so, tell me. But how has race and gender and your sexuality, how have those things shaped or influenced your experience as a person, professionally, you know, just kind of in the different areas of your life? Hey, do you want to be on the show? Please send us an email at IHave12Questions at gmail.com and 12 is the number one, two. And we will look it over and reach out to you and set up a time to do your interview. We can't wait to read your emails and hear from you and meet you. Thanks. There's a lot of, there's this intersection, right? Of all of these different identities. And what I've known ever since I started working was that I was always going to have to fight a bit harder. I was going to have to put on, as they say, or code switch um, (laughs) 
in order to, you know, get through and climb the ranks and do all these different things within um, my career. So, but now to your point too, I've gained some wisdom and I'm like, actually, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have to do that. Like I am, I am me and my work, you know, speaks for itself. Um, but I think those, you know, early on, they've, uh, they just kind of made me fight harder in life, fight harder to, to get to where I want to be. Yeah. And yeah, that's, but now again, I'm, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud of my, my community and the work that we're doing, um, advancing for these communities. So that's it. I love that. That makes me, that makes me feel so happy. And I think like, like I said, from the moment I met you, I just knew, I just felt something. I just knew something about you. And I, it was weird because it was on a weird, you know, I'm going to get a little woo woo, but it felt like on a soul level, just, I just knew, you know, I was like, this lady has been through some stuff and I don't know anything about her yet personally, but you can just tell. And only when you've walked through a million different fires and come out on the other side unscathed, not only unscathed, but actually stronger, do you have that type of regal, quiet confidence that goes on, but also you're true to who you actually are. You know what I mean? And I, there were times where you were really polite on work calls and stuff where I didn't think that it warranted a politeness. I thought certain people needed to be told exactly what the hell was going on or whatever, you know? And of course, and we're just over there, like you just, and I, I was like, how do you, how do you do that? You know, but it's because you've been conditioned to have to always be so perfect and work so hard, you know, you hit it. You hit the nail right on the head. But you know what's crazy, Amanda? Another part of this whole story is that I did mention that I was once married, and we were like the first uh, lesbian couple to like have a big, huge wedding out of like our big friend group, like out of our community, Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was this big deal, and. We had been together five years and like we were putting on, like we didn't really like each other. We were just putting on because I I felt like it was the thing we were supposed to do. Like five years you're supposed to get married. Like yeah. so we were perfect couple in everyone's eyes. And there was just so much turmoil and stuff going on. Like her needs weren't met. I, mine weren't either. It was just a mess. So we got married in March. And in like October, November, I found out that she was cheating on me. She had an affair with someone at work. So like this whole image and facade that we had created was crumbling because we were, we, we broke up. We were getting right. a divorce and the whole community knew <laughs> too, like within the same year, all this happened. So at that point, I was like devastated. I was at the point where I was like thinking bad thoughts, like really bad thoughts about myself and all this. And when I came out of that, like that moment told me, you know what? You can do anything like you can do anything and you can recover from anything that happens in life. So that's how I look at everything. So when you say like, oh, you're so positive and all that because of that, it was really because of that situation in my life is because like things don't matter. Like that whole situation, it happened but I came out and I was happy. Like life goes on. 
Yes. So when we have these bad situations that come up in life, they're very, they're blips. Like they're little, very small moments of our, of our hundred years, God willing, that we can live on this earth. They right. are such small moments. So if we focus all of our time on these things that are not good, we will never be able to focus on changing them, making them better, or just like looking at them in a different way to, so that we can innovate and we can right. create positive things, right? Yeah. So when meetings like that, I was like, you know what? One, it was, you know, I, I felt like if I, if I agree, like I'm supposed to agree, but also I'm here to work. This isn't yeah. life. I'm here to work. Yeah. Let's yeah. get along. Let's not focus on that. It's, let's move on and look at yeah. that, what we can do. to. It's maturity. It's maturity is what it is. Like, right. You can look at the situation and be like, okay, whatever. I just, I'm here to do a job period. Um, and I think, you know, I have this feeling of like, if something isn't fair, it's not being done right. Like it's my job to fix it. You know, it's just like, it's immaturity. That's, that's that like, and I have, I have that. I'm like first born. I'm an Aquarius. I don't know. I think, I think it's just part of my, <laughs> but to your point, if you can take the, sometimes looking back at the biggest, you know, hardest failures, whether it was my divorce or like different things that have happened in my life, when I thought my life was over and that I would absolutely never recover, I realized it was just a season, right? And those are the things that made us better and made us stronger. And it's, you know, it's easy to say after you're on the other side of it, but like when you're in it, you know, it's, it's hard. It's just hard to push through. But it's always carrying some type of lesson like and we don't want to manifest more of that. And if we stay stuck in that, then we are attracting more of that same crap right back into our lives because we're going to learn that lesson as many times as we need to. The universe will just keep sending around in a different person. That's why I've been married and divorced twice. It's just like, yeah, let's just keep let's just keep doing this over and over again. That's great. You know, I love your perspective, though, on understanding and looking back and saying that, you know, this facade and, and understanding because we are always having to look at our motives, right? Like what are my motives? And that's why I don't apologize or feel, you know, the need to do any of that anymore because I know my motives. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing and I know that I'm coming from a good place. Now, if I check my motives and they're not coming from a good place, I have to know that karmically that's not going to work out for me. <laughs> and, it's, and so it's not worth it, right? It's not worth doing it. But when I was younger, I think I didn't understand all of that. And so one of the questions I have for you, and this may be too personal, I hope not, but like, I just noticed that you're just really close and like supportive of your brother. And I see it on LinkedIn all the time. And like, I know you have a military family and there's a lot, it's like your parents, I think, right, too? And, okay, yes. So I've seen all of that and I'm always like, this is so sweet because I love my brothers too. And like, we just lost my dad. And so we, we have bonds, but we also have a lot of, you know, issues where we maybe don't agree and we're siblings. And so there's that side of it. But what, what is that about? You know, like, what is his, what does he mean in your life? And what do you mean in his and kind of, Tell me about that relationship. Yeah. So we had those sibling feuds when we were kids. Like yeah. we did, I mean, the worst sibling feud that you can think of as children is what we had. We <laughs> hate, he like used to fart on me and like he used to use the Martin, the show, the Mar Martin jokes on me and to tell me my breath smelled 
my breath smelled like boiled bologna. Like he was, he was so mean to me. <laughs> and um, so as we got older and we became adults, we realized that like, we're all we got. Like, it's just him and I, yeah. you know, it's our parents. We're not super close with cousins, like aunts and uncles. We're not like really close with that part of the family. So when our parents are, are dead and gone, it's really just us and his kids now and his, right. and his family. So we, I don't know, I think we maybe kind of like use that as like our bond because we, and we also, I don't know if you knew this, but he's also sober. He, he, I don't, think, I don't think I knew that. I just know that he's very motivational and driven and he's like positive. And so I'm like, okay, this is obviously a family thing traits that they have over there. Like, cause it's very similar and you can either, you were either raised in that environment or your tenacity comes from like things you've experienced together, you know, or a combination of different stuff, but it's like, or maybe military for who knows. I don't know. That's why I want to understand like, where does that come from? You know? Yeah, so and we, I did not know he was sober. I didn't know that. Yep, yep he's got a story too. So maybe your podcast as well. But he's that. been sober for I think like eight years now, seven years. So um, yeah, so you know we we went through some stuff and throughout throughout our childhood, and both of us you know reached that point where we were like, we can't do this. Like we, this is yeah. not the life we want. For our family. So we, again, we bond through that too, but he's just such an inspiration to me. Like he, he tried to go to college and then it just didn't work out for him. So he joined the military. That was a whirlwind of a mess too, until he had his awakening and he woke up. And ever since then, he has just been like laser focused on reaching, you know, uh, setting and achieving his goals. Yeah, And I found that is so admirable because he does not miss like he is he's just incredible he anything that he sets for himself he's going to achieve it and keep going but you're, the, I just, same I, way. you're the exact same way and it's just so weird because you guys are so similar and when i read some of his posts and stuff on linkedin or like whatever links and things that he's putting out there i like want to go do push-ups and like yeah. write a book or something. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I want to go do something. I want it's very motivational and it's very empowering, but that's how you are too, you know? And but you just he's more of like a coach type of person that makes you like he's like that, and you're kind of the person who just sort of embodies like it already happened, you know. I already I already have done it and I've arrived there and I already so it's like a different it 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 manifest differently for you guys, I guess, in terms of like how it is put out into the world. But it's so similar and every, you guys are so supportive of each other and so similar, but I was like, did they have like parents or a grandma or somebody who kind of instilled this, this very, cause it's like a foundational belief in self confidence class that regal thing I was talking about. It's just sort of this feeling. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Cause I don't, I'm not usually impressed by people. That sounds rude, but like, I don't know. I'm, whatever. And when I met you, it was like something, 
something about her. And then your brother, he seems very similar in that, in that way, you know, where it's like, you're just trying to bring good into the world. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to share that. Well, I'm going to share this, this recording with him too, but you know, our parents, they just always, they, so my dad uh, graduated high school, went to the military. My mom graduated high school, went to the military. My mom didn't, my dad didn't go to college. My mom didn't go to college until after I graduated college. So she, maybe she was 50 something when she went to college. Wow. And, but they always like instilled in us like this vision that we just held on to that we could do and accomplish anything that we wanted to or that we put our mind to. Yeah. And even though they didn't, you know, accomplish the things that they wanted to accomplish in their lives, they always pushed us and motivated us to do whatever we want. They gave us kind of free range. Like you, you be who you are. You explore, experience things. We weren't like tied up in the house all, you know, all yeah. summer long. You know, they let us go out and they let me ride my skates five blocks down in the South Bronx, you know, like they just let us explore and be who we were. And then just always motivated us, motivated us and encouraged us to when we finished high school to just go out and do what we wanted to do in yeah. life and be good at it. So I think that, you know, that was a that's a big part of us believing in ourselves because our parents always believed in us. There was no point ever in our life where our parents like had anything negative to say about anything that we wanted to do or try to do in life. They were always encouraging us, even if it was probably the most outlandish, crazy, craziest thing you could ever think of. Or <laughs> try it out. We're, we're here to support you through it. So that's amazing. That is amazing because a lot of parents, you know, aren't, and I've made those mistakes too with my daughter of like, you're scared and you have all this fear that something's going to happen to them or somebody's going to be mean to them or, or, you know, don't take a chance because you could get hurt. And like you have all your own fear that you're projecting, but also you want them to be safe and secure and successful, whatever that means to you. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Your life is not their life. And you have to have, be healthy enough to have that separation and say, you know, Yes, I want you to have a boring corporate job that you hate, but you're going to make a lot of money and you're going to have a good insurance and your mortgage, you know, is going to be paid off or whatever. And like, it's funny because my daughter is like, yeah, that's people don't do that anymore. That's not what we do. Right. And but it's scary as a parent. To, so I love when I hear people talk about their parents just saying like, yeah, go nuts, you know, be yourself, explore, make mistakes, get hurt, like the, the, all those things that we have to have as human beings. Because if you go around clearing the path with a machete for your kid their whole life and then they get out in the world, they get eaten alive, you know, that's no good. So I love that. But it shows, it really shows in you and your brother that you're just like free to be who you are and to, you know, express yourself. But not only that, to then turn it around and use it to help other people. Like that's the stuff that most people don't take, right? They, they figure out their own and then that's where they are. But you guys both yep. have that, that tendency and that desire to like, want to pay it forward and take all the tools that you've learned and all the pitfalls and all the different things and say, Hey man, I have a story to share because I want to help people, you know? And that's awesome. Yes. Yes. I just told somebody the other day that I had a, uh, she was like, Oh, what do you do? Cause I was like, I'm a serial entrepreneur, but not really. Cause I'm not really making money off of a lot of these ventures, but 
projects. Um, but I was like, yeah, I've got this um, Instagram page on like financial wellness and et cetera. And she's like, oh, like, what do you do? Are you doing like credit repair and everything? And I'm like, no, I'm actually just sharing the stuff that I do that worked or that didn't work so that other people don't <laughs> make these mistakes or so that they can, you know, learn and, and try to try to get to that point of financial freedom that many of us, you know, long for and, and hope for in life. So it's just like, I just love, like, I've been through a lot. I'm only 37 now. I've been through a lot in this lifetime many, many, many highs, many lows, many, many lows. And I think that if I can just share just a part of my mm-hmm. story or what I'm doing, I can just help another person. Like the travel vlogging, it's fun, but I'm really doing that because I want other women, especially women of color to know that you can leave this country, go to another country and just live freely. Like go do it for in, for a couple of, couple of weeks, four weeks, whatever, you know, if you, especially if you're working remotely, yeah. just go do it. You'll be fine. Just take that risk and just do it. Have fun. When our time is supposed to come to an end, it will come to an end. Yes. We can't live always wondering, well, what if I get over there and I die? No, just go and have fun. <laughs> but it's crazy too, because sometimes people just need to see someone else doing the thing they want to do to be like, holy crap, I'm doing it because they did it and they're fine. And that's what it is, right? Is like understanding if you, you can't think about doing it, it's not going to happen if, unless you just actually go do it. And like, I've told you that my, you know, my pop passed away in late September, you know, he had just turned 66. He was about to retire and he was going to, going to go do all the things, right. He was going to go do all of those things that he wanted to do. And he had worked his ass off for decades and done all the right things and saved and whatever. And then guess what? The time is up. And you, and so like, to me, that was so devastating, but also so eye opening. and not to say he didn't have fun and take trips and have a wonderful time with his family. He had a great life. He had a wonderful life. So that's not what I'm saying, but it's like, what are we waiting for? Right. It's like Oprah said back in the day, get out the good candles, like use the good dishes, like do it now. Stop waiting for the special occasion, you know, because we just don't know. And I think, when you're talking about all that, it's, it's the vlog, which I'm going to put that in the, in the description in the show notes, but the, the travel guides and then the financial literacy, that was my, one of my questions is like talking about your passions around travel and financial wellness, financial literacy, because some of that stuff is way over people's heads. If you didn't grow up, we don't learn this stuff in school. Maybe our parents didn't teach us how to balance a checkbook or, or whatever. And so sometimes you just need a regular person to be like, hey, look, here's what I did. <laughs> so where's this passion around financial wellness and travel? Yeah. So, again, you know, when I stopped drinking, all this goes back to like when I stopped drinking, because literally goals, what were goals? Like I didn't have goals when I was drinking. The goal was to go out and have fun. <laughs> And drink. Exactly. And then do it again. (laughs) So like after that, when I got to really like, okay, sit down and think about what I enjoy doing, um, I realized that okay, one thing I do enjoy doing, well, let me take this, let me let me back up a little. We didn't grow up with a ton of money. Um, we lived in the South Bronx in a two bedroom apartment. It started off in a one, all four of us was in a one bedroom apartment. A couple years after that, we lived in a two bedroom apartment, all four of us. I lived in the living room 
I had a, a bed in the living room. My brother had the room and my parents had their room. And it was not the best conditions. <laughs> so I knew that like, I never wanted to be in that place like as an adult, or I never wanted my children to be in that place. My parents did the best that they could yeah. with what they had, but I just knew that I could, I didn't have to do that um, and be back in that place. So I really started working on, okay, now that I've got this more time now and I can really see clearly because I don't have all these other distractions like this stuff with drinking, what am I going to start doing to plan for now and for the future so that I can live comfortably and continue to live comfortably? So I really started working on my finances, making sure that I didn't have anything on my credit. I had $85,000 in student loans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that I've since paid off because I was able to sit down and really just focus on like getting, getting, Uh, myself together. But what I started to realize is that, yeah, I'm getting myself together, but the people around me were still in these places that like they could be doing better. Like, you know, in observation, you see your friends and you're like, you know what, you could make some different decisions and you'd be like living comfortably. So I was like, you know, maybe I should just put everything that I'm doing, everything that's like helped me and that I've, um, that I've done, like even got into like crypto and stuff like that. Let me just put that into uh, like an ebook and get it out there. And I was, I was just, I had it on my website for free because I just wanted people to know, like, yeah. you don't have to live this way. Like you don't have to be in these positions. So that was like the, the financial literacy piece is like, I don't want people, I don't want the people around me struggling. I don't want anyone struggling. Like we don't yeah. have to struggle. There are ways that we can work through it and to overcome those situations. There may right. be times where we struggle, but we should not live a lifetime of struggling. Like like you just said, like life is to be lived. You don't yes. want to get to 60 and then figure out that I'm still struggling and I still can't do the things that I want to do. Right. So then the second part, the travel piece, that just came with like just figuring out a love. Like I knew I loved traveling, but again, I was traveling to drink. But <laughs> I love traveling and I like going to museums and exploring. And then I said, you know what? if I could do this on my own, I'm sure there's somebody else that's probably thinking about doing it, but they're so scared to do it. Let me show them my experience so they can feel more comfortable. Right. They can see how fun it is to just go out on your own, travel to a different country on your own and just enjoy it and have fun. So that's how those two things were birthed. That's awesome. Because too, like when I know when I got sober and stopped doing all my shenanigans, I was like, wow, there's a lot of money in my account. Yes. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I was spending that much on all of this nonsense. I mean, it's, but also you start to realize, like you were saying, it's almost like you get introduced to yourself for the first time ever. And I remember some of the exercises I had to do of trying to recall what I had enjoyed as a child. And it was always being in my treehouse and reading books and doing it, being in the woods. And, you know, I, and that's what I, that's what makes me happy now. I love going on the trails with my dogs and doing certain things and reading but also newer things and, and more kind of scarier things like you're talking about, like travel or having to, you know, have some discipline and make some changes financially so that I can have the type of stability when I'm older, but also so I can go take a trip now if I want to and not have to break the bank, you know? 
And so, but those are the things that a lot of times not everybody has resources to have a CPA and go take this expensive class and do this and read this book. It's more like, just give me the quick and dirty of like, well, like you're talking about the ebook and you just wanted to help people. And I think that's, I love that. And I love, I love the vlog too. I'm still working my way through the videos, but like after the bug eating thing, I was just like, I cannot believe she did that because you were like, listen, a note about me. I hate bugs. I hate all the bugs. And then (laughs) I ate grasshoppers. Like I, I still can't believe I did it. But Amanda, again, like life is about overcoming, right? Overcoming things that are blocking us. And I'm not not saying like eating bugs bugs was blocking us, but it was (laughs) a fear. It was telling me like you can overcome a fear that you have right you can take risk and I took a risk by eating those bugs and I did it and I and that was another thing I can and I was fine that's another thing that's like hey I can overcome I can get through these fears that I have so it was symbolic and it, it it wasn't just about the bugs for me it was like I even I think I said it afterwards I was like I overcame a fear. (laughs) That was a, it was a pivotal moment of like understanding, but because I think too, that a lot of times the fear of something is so much worse than just doing the thing. And once you do it enough times, you're like, what was my big thing about that? Like, I, yeah, you're like, I'm good. Checked it off the list. We're good. Okay. I know we're, we're getting to here to the end. And I think, what I, well, I have two and I'm just going to like stick them kind of together. Cause I don't want to take up all, all day long for you, but like having worked with you, I, I have seen your like work ethic and your, your kind of unflappable nature. <laughs> and I'm very flappable. Okay. Like, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> just, I do so much work to like try to stay on the beam. You have no idea. Like, and so when I see people who seem to just kind of do it effortlessly um, and you've already sort of alluded to this, you always go back to your why, why, why am I doing this? Why does all this matter to me? You know, ultimately, and it's to support yourself and your family and, and that, but where did you, who modeled that tenacity for you? I guess like where, where did that come from to where, your work ethic is crazy. Like it's, 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 I haven't really seen that in very many people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It goes back to that. Why yeah. it goes back to why, why I'm doing this and what then the goals that I have for um, the now and yeah. for the future, you know, Manza, I feel like I am standing on the shoulders of giants. Like I am, I am really standing on my ancestors' shoulders and and I'm I'm doing I want to make them proud. I'm only what three generations removed from slavery. Like my great grandmother worked on the cotton fields, but she didn't work on the cotton fields to bring the money back to a house that was miles away from the cotton fields. She she worked on the cotton field to live on the cotton field, to live in a house on the cotton field. And my grandmother worked on, my grandmother worked on the cotton field so that she had money to go to the football games at high school. Like that's how close that is to me. So when I think about work and when I think about like 
making sure that I'm making them proud, that I'm able to retire my mom. My mom is still working. She's still working at um, on the phones, at, like as a customer service agent. Like, I don't, man, like our, 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 our ancestors went through so much and like, like you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't have to do that. So, you know, I think about those things and that's what just keeps me kind of fighting forward and, and getting, getting the work and doing the things that I have to do to, to set myself up now. And so I can be a bit comfortable now, but then also, you right. know, in the future, I have to worry about that and have them and my, have my parents and I have to worry about anything as well. That's still worrying about Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I don't know if you ever watched that show, Finding Your Roots on PBS, but they go oh. dig deep, deep into people's ancestry. I mean, like way, way back. And people's reaction is, is always like, wow, I have a new understanding and a new respect for myself knowing now what I came from. Like mm-hmm. the stuff that people went through. And also the miracle that we even made it, that anybody survived any of that stuff that happened back in the day, but also the tenacity and the brilliance and all that stuff that you come from, you know, and knowing, like you just said, that that's your, your driving force is to make people proud, you know, your ancestors living and and not living, right? Like that's part of your legacy. And I just think that most people are so, I don't know, people are just so superficial in it now, or maybe like worried about all these temporal things instead of these like big existential things like, oh, ancestry, legacy, you know, and that. So I think that's one of the things that's always stood out to about you to me is that you're just on a different plane. You're like, you're thinking about other stuff, you know, elevated things that are not especially, I mean, I don't want to say with people your age, like I'm like that. I mean, I am kind of a lot older than you, but I think I just turned 47, but like, I know a lot of 37 year olds and this really isn't the type of conversation I have with them typically. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, (laughs) you're like, yeah, preaching to the choir. Okay. But I was once there, right? I mean, I wasn't, I didn't come to this realization. I've only been sober for five years. Right. So 32, like 32, just five years ago, my my thought process, just the way that I looked at life was completely, completely different. And it what you know, these, all of these events that have happened when I hit 30, all these things just started happening, like all these craziness. Right. Yeah. And I just, you know, wisdom just came from that. I'm still learning, right. I'm still, I'm still make bad decisions from time to time, <laughs> but I know how to deal with them, you know, when right. those time, when things do happen and, um, you know, it's just, I don't just gotta it's crazy to me though yeah that five years just just in five years the exponential the accelerated nature right it's almost like you have tons of time to make up for almost or or something where it's compounded and it grows and gets better and bigger and my last question is really kind of like what's next you know what is success what is What's on the horizon? Um, I mean, I have to always know what's going on with you because it's exciting, <laughs> you know? So kind of like what's on the horizon for you? What's next? What's What does success mean to you? Yeah. So success is growth to me. Yeah. Anytime I experience some sort of growth today, today was successful. I learned from you. 
I learned from your experiences. I learned from this experience um, on this on this podcast. This was a success. So anything small, anything big um, that has to do with my growth is um, it's a success. I'm always challenging myself. Yeah. Um, I'm always trying to do something like I'm, tr- I'm testing the boundaries all the time. Yes. And and seeing what I could actually accomplish in this lifetime. To your point earlier, like we don't know when our time is. So I would never want to leave this earth not have like having not given it my all in every in any and everything that I do. So these five years have been jam packed of like just doing stuff, but it Mm -hmm. hasn't been tiring. It's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. We're exploring and experiencing. So it's not the material things. Um, I I house hack like I was renting out my basement. I have people living here with me. Like to, yes, like to to achieve next level success, right? right? Yeah, making those sacrifices. So that was for me. That's a success. Yes, it's just you know it's just anything small, large, big that gives a little drop to my growth bucket is success for me. I love that. That is, that's such a good, that is such a good way to look at things because growth, you know, it doesn't matter how small it is or how incremental or how massive it is. And even when it really sucks, even when it's something horrible or painful, it's still growth. Like it is still growth. And so if growth is success, then as long as you're learning something and getting better day to day, or like you're saying, you know, you have goals financially. And so you're going to do what it takes to make those goals happen. Like how do you, how does somebody pay off $80,000 of student debt? How do you do this? How do you do that? Well, guess what? You know, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take growth and maturity. And I think a lot of people talk a big game, but when it gets down to the brass tacks of what you're going to actually have to do to make that happen, they're like, Oh, that sounds terrible. Yes, (laughs) That's hard. Right. And you have to be consistent and that's the difference, right? You've got that grit about you and and that not only there's no challenge that you can't overcome, but also you're like seeking out challenge, right? You don't wait for it to come knock at your door and be like, oh, okay, I guess I need to work on blah, blah, blah. You're like looking for that growth because you're hungry for growth. And that's, you know, I think that's why one of the many reasons you're so inspiring to me is that you, you're just, you're never stagnant, you know? And it makes people who are around you want to be better. Like it really, it makes you feel a little bit like I need to do something with my life. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know, in a, in a good way, in a healthy way, in a motivating way, because when you're doing something that you love, it doesn't feel like work. And that's the whole point, right? Like it, it, it if you are in, uh, energized by it and, and inspired by it, and then you're helping to inspire other people, obviously like that's your purpose. But it's good to be around people who challenge us and who make us, you know, want to really figure out how we can grow. And like you said, push boundaries and, and push the envelope and not get too comfortable and complacent because it's way too easy in today's world. Like it's really easy to settle into stuff and just get extremely comfortable and you start feeling, I start feeling depressed detached. I want to isolate. That's when I know. That's when I know that I'm not feeding that creative part of myself or whatever that, you know, because you can have all the money in the house and the things and all that. And it's like, you still feel 
hollow unless you're doing what you're meant to be doing, you know? Yeah, that's good the key. That's the key is you have to be doing what you're meant to, your purpose in life. Yes. Even if it's not, even if your purpose is not bringing you in money and you're working 40, 50 hours a week, you still have to find time to do whatever that purpose is. Yes. That purpose work, got to do that because that's what's going to keep you going and feeling like you're, you're growing and you're getting you know closer to your goal in life, which is fulfilling that purpose. There's this, um, I think it's called The Other Westmore, um, but it's a book and it's one of the, it's called The Work. And anyway, the West, he's talking about Oprah, I think it's from Super Soul, but she asked him, how do you, how do we know what our purpose is? How do you know? Because so many people, that's what we're all asking. What am I here for? Why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, and meanwhile, we have to pay bills and do all this stuff and raise kids and whatever. So we're, that's an easy excuse, right? Like, oh yeah, I wish I could go do photography, but like, I don't have time for that. And he basically said, whatever you would do, whatever you're going to do, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 60 hour week and you're at work week and you're raising kids and you're trying, whatever, what is that thing that you're going to do no matter what? You're going to spend nights and weekends. You're going to spend your own money to do it. You don't care if it brings in income. You don't care if anyone's paying attention. Like you're going to do that thing. Whatever that thing is, that's your purpose. And I was like, whoa. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love and that's what that. it reminds me of, of what you're talking about. You know, yes, yeah. we have to be practical. Mm-hmm. We have to be practical. And I love it. But also, yeah, it was, it was cool. I love those, those little one-liners where you're like, Ooh, yeah. Or, you know, you would do it for free. Like you love it so much, or you think it's so important to put out into the world that you would do it for free. Like you're saying, you put out your ebook for, for free and you know, I spend mm-hmm. money to put out this podcast. I'm not making money on this. This is just, because I want to share these stories with the world, you know, watch that, watch those words yet, 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 yes, yes. See, see what I mean? Well, I, I appreciate you so much. This was so awesome. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This was fun. I feel very inspired. Thank you.